Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Delaney, so what? Sam Nifty Delaney, I forgot my own nickname. I was distracted by my own notebook. Yes, you have a notebook with you because this is a very important episode and there's lots of stuff to remark upon in it. Uh, We started it last time. It is the uh, fourth episode in series one of uh, Dick Turpin uh, is entitled The Poacher um, and last time we had the arrival of a fop we had our plans to work with Diana Dawes uh, pop stars working on the bins uh, jigsaws um, and a magnificent wig description which was um, the the character the fop who has arrived uh, we still don't know his name, do we? We haven't got that far yet, but he was... Uh, He's the nephew of Sir John wig. Blatton. Well, we know this, yeah, but we know this... We get, this hasn't been revealed, has it? Because he's... Oh, does he, anou- does he no, announce he does. that? He, do- does he? he does announce it, because that him and Spike have a conversation about it. We've been through that, hasn't he? And he goes, my nephew's coming. You don't like him, do you, Spiker? Oh, well, we Spike- haven't got to that bit. You, you were previewing that last time, because oh, okay. that was your favourite bit. We only got to the bit where they're ask, uh, Dick and Swiftnick are, are asking him about his wig, his powdered wig, <laughs> and he delivers the brilliant line, it's the mode, the mode, you bumpkin, oh. the fashion. <laughs> and he announces that the wig is from Monsieur Brissac in the Strand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Monsieur Brissac is still in the Strand to this day, making wigs. I'll I'd fucking like look him up now, I've heard his name. Brissac and Sons. I could do perhaps. with a wig. Oh, a nice powdered one. Yeah, I'd love that. When you're down the media hub. Mm, perfect. I think it would suit um, my, my sort of um, persona, to be honest. You're still going through the notebook there. You must have a Yeah, sorry, I sound distracted. I just, I've got this notebook, but there's no order to it. Uh, and so I can't find it. You just, you just, uh, you, you note out loud, do you? I've got it. Yeah, I know it out loud. There's no, I've got one notebook. I always have one notebook on the go at any given time. Yeah. But it could be opened on any page and the things could be written anywhere. anywhere. And it's very yeah. hard to find, to refer you just back scribble to. scribble wherever there's a blank space. These notebooks scribble, come, scribble, really scribble. come into, they're of no use really. They come into their own years and years later when I find them in old boxes and mm. stuff and I spend a while just leafing through piecing together mm. what I was up to at that stage in my life and laughing at the weird shit that has been written down <laughs> that, I mean I've mentioned this before but I've got a few notebooks from my time at Heat for example which I believe yeah. are worthy of deep dive because like they raise a lot more questions than they do answers like I don't remember what the notes are about yeah. Yeah. But they kind of mentioned sort of random celebrities of of the late noughties. and um, yeah, and there's a lot of sort of possible cover lines and ideas for stories with multiple question marks next to them, some underlined, and they really are truly fascinating and also intriguing even to me. And I was there. 
I would be happy to go through those notebooks with you and deep dive them if that's yeah. something you want to do at some point. I'll dig them out. I think it would be a good maybe one or two episodes. <laughs> one or two, ten we, or eleven. We may have to get them thoroughly legaled. <laughs> but sometimes there's just names like of funny people that you encountered in that world. Mm. Like, I was going through it once, I think I told you this, and I just found, I stumbled and just written on a page in isolation with no explanation as to why was the name Alfonso Ponce. (laughs) (laughs) But it's weird because there's a sort of an overlap between celebrity and fashion and in that magazine. And so you would encounter sort of larger than life people with strange flamboyant names like that on on a surprisingly regular basis. You'd need to Google that to see whether he's actually a real name or not. Yeah, I think I have. And the other one that we're obsessed with, and I think I still follow him on Instagram, is um, uh, Bobby Trendy. Bobby Trendy? Bobby Trendy is a real person. I mean, I don't know if he's still going, but he was just like a face on the fashion scene. And Bobby Bobby Trendy Trendy. would often be at, like, you know, highfalutin fashion parties or catwalk shows. The, not that I, I attended those sorts of things, but you'd see the picture. You know, you get the pictures sent through from last night's fancy New York gala. Bobby right? Trendy's there, and it would Bobby Trendy would always be there, and he would be dressed very trendily, very much I in the Lady Gaga sort of did, sphere. Did he? Know. Did he have? A, did he do anything, or was he just like a socialite? Yeah, socialite. That was his job. I'm That's what I wish I was. Idea of being a socialite. Yeah, I mean, how how do you worm your way into, into high society like that? I guess having a name like Bobby Trendy Straight, first is a great like, way Bobby in, Trendy isn't it? First of all, you've got to get your name right. When I was playing old Dave Smith, I was Paul getting Moss. nowhere, and then one day it came to me in a dream, Bobby Trendy, and after that, door started opening. Never look back. <laughs> yeah, he's still going. I've just found him. Yeah. Oh my god, I found his real name. He's got a Wikipedia page, mate. Raymond John Muro, also known Ooh. as Bobby Trendy, Bobby Trendy, is an American interior decorator, fashion designer, and television yeah. personality, best known yeah. Yeah. for his appearances on the Anna Nicole Show. None of those, of course, are real jobs. Real jobs. But the um, <laughs> the interesting thing is that he actually was born with a, a pretty trendy name. I mean, if yeah. I was born Raymond John Muro, I wouldn't bother changing my name. Because I think that yeah. already sounds pretty trendy. It is, isn't it? Yeah, like it's a it. pretty classy name. You don't need to necessarily change your name to Bobby Trendy, but I, I, I might take that. I take it as my name. If it's going fair, hello, yeah. uh, Bobby, dear Bobby Trendy, I am contacting you from Sunderland in the United hey, Kingdom. Trendy. I am a noted podcaster. You may have heard of me. In any case, I have recently discovered that your birth name of Raymond John Muro is no longer in use. Is it going fair? If so, I would like to make you a cash offer. I stress cash. (laughs) (laughs) I will only pay cash for names. I don't think you need to make an offer for it. Has he got a trademark or something? Can I not just You never know of Americans. Take it. Yeah, that's true. They're very very, um, litigious. litigious. Mm. I'd be careful. I'd tread carefully around the, the court of Bobby Trendy. Yeah, he's probably got a lot of time in his hands as well for suing people. If you've got a spare okay. moment, listeners, uh, Google Bobby Trendy because the images of him are really great. He's a, he's a, he's a compelling figure. As for Alfonso Ponce, no idea. 
Don't know. Got a feeling he might have been a showbiz agent. Not sure. (laughs) (laughs) So um, our our friend here, the fop, Mm. um, on Dick Turpin, is very much the Bobby Trendy of his day. Yeah, he is. Yeah, we've seen. He announces that he was robbed because Dick and Swift Nick were going to try and rob him, but he's already been robbed not less than an hour ago. Yeah, he's a bit like too late, cunts. Yeah. It's uh, and he, he says that he was just sitting on his own in the woods composing a ditty. <laughs> That's what lads like him do, going up the woods to compose, compose a ditty. Yeah, sounds like a good life. Pays the bills. Don't, I mean, I like this bloke more and more. Imagine that. Oh, this is great. what I'd like to. I'd like to be in the woods right now composing a ditty, mm. mate. In a powdered wig. Yeah. And the ditty, the ditty was called Pretty Dillus. <laughs> uh, and he and he he sings the ditty. I didn't write the lyrics down, unfortunately. Which I should have done. But you need to. We're not. We're not going to tell you everything. You need to watch this. This is on YouTube. This episode. Uh, it's called the Porcher. It's series one, episode four. Seek it out. Oh, by the way, uh, listeners, I was on the um, IFS Facebook group yesterday. I saw that someone had posted because a lot of people it seems have been watching this and one very kind listener whose name I can't remember has actually um, uploaded in quality I think all three series onto onto his own Google Drive and shared the link so if you join it's the unofficial IFS group that exists on Facebook Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe anyone can join it I'm not a uh, what do you call it custodian of it. I just uh, sometimes see it on my feed. Um, and anyway, it's uh, yeah. Someone someone has kindly uploaded it, or I guess from their DVD collection onto their yeah. Google Drive. So if you're looking for it, because I know that after series one in particular, it can be quite hard to find everything. So if you just go on there, you'll find them all. <clears throat> Lovely stuff. We'll have to go and ask a, ask permission to see if we can tweet that link. What a wonderful publicly. community has been built up around this humble podcast. <laughs> it's like a virtual clubhouse. Yes. Um. So he's composing a ditty called Pretty Dillis, which they, they laugh at, and he describes them as pearls before swine. Um. But then he reveals that Sir John Glutton is his uncle. Uh, which was the the twist we weren't expecting mm. at all. You can't see much. You can't see the family resemblance at all, either physically or really. certainly characteristically. <laughs> Not especially when it immediately cuts from this scene uh, to Sir John Glutton, who this week appears to be suffering very badly from gout. His foot is bandaged up, and he is also wearing some kind of turban. This is the best, yeah. the best we've seen of Glutton so far. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> he becomes more outrageous by the yeah, day. Yeah. Sort of like a more malevolent version of Elton John. <laughs> he was, yeah. Um, so maybe there is that that thing that links him and his nephew. Yeah, they're both kind of flamboyant. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, as we've said, Glutton is very sympathetic to his nephew. And his ways. He thinks he's quite a laugh, I think. He does. Doesn't he? He does. And he do, especially because it annoys Spiker. Yeah. Um, and he's got this very strange sort of love hate relationship with Spiker, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. 
he needs Spiker, but he needs to keep him in his place at the same time. Yeah, line. he toys with Spiker because Spiker is an aspirant, um, yeah. and that keeps coming back again and again. Is yeah. he sort of like he's a social climber, um, and he aspires to to like basically stop just being a hired thug and become mm. a man of sort of you know standing and status himself. And Glutton, keep, Glutton knows that, and he keeps dangling it like a carrot for yeah. Spiker, doesn't he? And he even Spiker says to him is... in this scene, if you want to make it and have your own like land and be one of us, you're going to have to get used to hanging out with people like my weird nephew. <laughs> he says that, doesn't Sp- he? Yeah, Spiker's like the lower middle class, isn't he? Yeah. And they're always the worst. because He's a Basil 40. He's a Basil 40 yeah. type they're character. They're the ones who think they're entitled to more than they've got. Yeah, Hyacinth, the- Bouquet, Basil 40. So many of the yeah. great comic characters in history of British yeah. sitcoms are aspirant middle classes, yeah. You'd, you'd much rather hang around with the upper classes because they're where they are and they know where they are and they just revel in it yeah. almost. Upper or lower, but the cunts in the middle. Oh. Never the middle. They're because the there's too much delusion and frustration. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So Spiker, um, Spiker's complaining that he hasn't got enough men because uh, Sir John Glutton is saying there's too many uh, robberies going on. Uh, Glutton says he can't afford to uh, have more men. And then he mentions that his um, his nephew, who's called Willoughby. <laughs> this is the first time I think his name like is announced. Holly Willoughby. It's called Willoughby. Like Holly Willoughby. <laughs> and so John Glutton's kind of grins and says, you don't like him, do you? <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned um, last time, Glutton revels in this and he says, you don't like him, do you? And... Uh, Spiker says he he skips about the house like a doxy's lapdog. <laughs> a doxy's lapdog. Yeah. I'll say that again. He skips about the house like a doxy's lapdog. Quite turns me stomach. Yeah. <laughs> so, like a lot of these, like you know, when we go back to the aspirant middle classes, like yeah. they very often in the Venn diagram. It, they overlap largely with a kind of a golf club, Nigel Farage admiring, Big, Top Gear watching, Piers Morgan sympathising, yeah, racist yeah. cunts. Big Tory energy. Big Tory energy from Spiker, like an Essex yeah, Tory. Yeah. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, uh, I, listen, end of the day, I give a huge amount to charity, so there's no one who can point a finger and say that I am not compassionate. But my priority is my own family. It always has been. And also, point of fact, I really don't like homosexuals or homosexual adjacent men. I'm sorry, but that's just me. It's the way I was raised. And this man seems, at the very least, homosexual adjacent. I don't like uh, the way they carry themselves. I think they are in your face. I don't mind what they do in privacy, but I hate the way that they have to announce it to everyone. I don't think they need to ram it down our throats quite so much like they do. (laughs) He is big on that sort of vibe, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, basically an awful man. Really awful. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so he's being quite... It's like thinly veiled homophobia in my my, um, opinion. He he also calls him... I don't know if you've got... Maybe I'm jumping ahead, so tell me what Glutton says. As I said, Glutton says, Willoughby is perhaps a bit excessive, but that's London. That's the fashion. So, <laughs> you know, you'd expect Glutton might be of a similar opinion. 
yeah. a spiker. But he's not. He's really tolerant and liberal about it all. He's like, yeah, it's London. It's what they do. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's metropolitan. Yeah. Of course he is. Um, it's a side of glutton we've not seen before, and it's a side that I like. And then Willoughby arrives. Have <laughs> we missed a, really a bit theatrical... where he says he's hardly a man at all? He writes verse. That's his fucking <laughs> example of why he can't be a real man. He goes, he's like a painted macaroni. <laughs> Willoughby then arrives and does a really theatrical bow and he says I can't ride five miles without some hairy brute pursuing me with the most enormous pistols you ever saw <laughs> <laughs> and he says uh, he even took my musical snuff box the one that plays Lily Bolero and then Spiker <laughs> says what a pity he didn't shoot you as well <laughs> <laughs> really like harsh he's just turned up and he's going I wish you were shot dead on the way here yeah. I mean <laughs> yeah. that fucking spiker wind your neck in you work for Glutton it's his, it's that's his, his, that's his flesh and blood you can't say I'll, I'll be honest with you boss I wish your nephew was shot dead on the way here I just don't <laughs> like the way he carries himself he's way too camp and I wish he'd die <laughs> and then Willoughby says do you mock me captain and Spiker says, mock you, you spineless butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. And um, Sir John Glutton pretty much has to prize them apart. And he makes uh, he makes Spiker apologise. Um, and Willoughby then accuses Spiker of, of taking a backhander from Turpin. Mm, yeah. Because he's saying that, you know, the, the thieves aren't being caught. Uh, Willoughby that's controversial Willoughby assumes that uh, he's in the pit of Turpin which enrages Spiker even further which is what we want yeah he's very Um, shrewd Willoughby oh he is yeah yeah Uh, and then we're in the in the inn where we see Big Nell who is the landlady of the inn who is telling Dick and Swiftnick all about Vizard and Vizard is the fellow who we saw right at the beginning of the episode wearing the mask who Dick and Swiftnick thought was the uh, the poacher who was on their patch doing all the other robberies um, so Dick decides he's going to present himself as bait for this Vizard character yeah uh, and Dick Richard O'Sullivan he then dresses himself up as a fop <laughs> um, which is Incredible! <laughs> and just before we see the the outcome of that, we see Spiker receiving a letter as Spiker is practicing his his bowing in the mirror. <laughs> He's practicing. Sums it up. Uh, well, that that's and, another um, brilliant observation about this type of person. In that, ultimately, they are extremely sort of um, they're like lick spittles and toadies. Like, yeah. they're so desperate to be recognised by people who they perceive as being from a higher social order or superior to yeah. them that they basically debase themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These are the people who today will be going about Boris Johnson. Well, why shouldn't he have a party? He's the Prime Minister. Yeah. And I and, and they, they were working hard. And, and ultimately, why shouldn't they have an office party? I don't think the rules should apply to them. Well, and the it, latest line seems to be, well, things have moved on since then. Yeah. Yeah. These people have no self-esteem. That is the problem. It's like they've got no mm. self-respect and no self-esteem. And they believe that you should accept anything that is dished out to you by what they mm. 
perceive as their betters, right? The higher orders. The higher yeah. orders. They've been yeah. that anything that's dished out to you should be just accepted. And if you moan, then that's a sign of weakness. But the real weakness is being prepared to fucking accept the shit that is dished out to, to you. Be, to be the useful idiots. Yeah, to be fucking useful idiots or just fucking toadies who just like will stand by these people have no respect for you they think you're scum they think you're pathetic mm. you're the shit on their shoe and you go round fucking helping them out promoting their fucking ideas and and bigging mm. them up because you've got ultimately no self-respect whatsoever because you think that you might actually become a part of the slightly higher up order they'll never let you in you fucking silly cunts in your fucking semi in Essex yeah yeah you got nothing you got nothing you're shit scared of everything in life you're just tools and all you want to do is bow and scrape to these fuckers who wouldn't give you who wouldn't piss on you if you're on fire that's why this this show in 25 minutes as we said before it not only squeezes in more action adventure and laughs than most TV shows ever made it also in very subtle ways is lacing through pretty profound social comment and satire just by a quick scene of Spiker practicing his bowing in the mirror it tells us a million things about the cunt it does it does and Spiker then receives a letter uh, which is from Vizard and it says meet me at the gibbet 11am tomorrow morning (laughs) jalapeño There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss jalapeño back to the inn where dick is dressed in full fop gear and he's talking to vizard about the, the fact that he oh yeah he's, he's gonna leave his horses here and he's with swift nick and uh, he loudly says that he, he needs to carry his bag with him at all times because it's full of gold and he doesn't want to leave that around the horses because uh, he believes this inn is a uh, is somewhere where lots of robbers and uh, rapscallions hang out. Which Vizard's very kind of uh, subdued. Vizard doesn't see a great deal here, but uh, Dick's trying to lure him in to robbing him. And Dick, Dick is a, a fantastic fop. He does it really well. Richard O'Sullivan camping it right up. Yeah, it's great to see showing his versatility. I wouldn't be surprised if O'Sullivan sort of got involved in the script writing process here. She said, "I'm just bored of yeah. doing fights every week. I need to show something else. I need to express yeah. my versatility as an actor, my feminine side." Yeah, every actor <laughs> shoot, like, loves four. the idea of playing a fop. Yeah, uh, and then we'll go into the inn itself, and um, we hear Willoughby ordering another blo- another bottle of claret. <laughs> Uh, Dick says who's that and Big Nell says some fop from Rookham Hall and Dick says oh yeah I believe I've met him a right molly (laughs) and then he he says shall we have some sport (laughs) (laughs) 
and it's it's another example of them using the language of the day. Yeah. And not just kind of trying to modernise it. I mean, ordinarily it's just, shall we have some fun? Yeah. No, he says, shall we have some, some sport? sport? Yeah. Which is what they would have said. And Something then that we should goes, talk more about as well. Having some sport? sport. Having some sport. <laughs> yeah. I think we should be saying um, it's the mood a yes. lot more as well. If we can. Uh, so Dick goes over to sit with Willoughby, introduces himself as Edward Villas. Um, and there's a nice little uh, chat between the two of them about people they know apparently and um, Dick compliments Willoughby on his wig and acknowledges that it's from uh, Monsieur Brissac of the Strand and then we cut to Vizard meeting Spiker at the gibbet and Vizard reveals that Willoughby is in fact the poacher yeah which I don't think we knew until then. It hadn't been revealed, had it? No. And he goes, he says, Spiker just doesn't believe it. Uh, and I think that might be when he goes, he's hardly a man at all. He writes verses. He's a painted macaroni. That's right, yeah. And He's no highwayman. He's and a Vizard, Vizard says, granted, he's a fop, but I also believe he's an audacious and cunning scoundrel, the scourge of Kensington. And at that time, Swiftnick is going through... Willoughby's saddlebag outside and he finds his mask and his hat Yeah, that he uses for robbing. Yeah. So it all falls into it, place at that it, point. It, Spiker is still insistent he can't believe, get his nut round the fact that Willoughby might actually be a homeman because he goes, he's a weakling, a powdered, a powdered coxcomb. <laughs> a powdered coxcomb. <laughs> but also yeah. a weakling's quite a good old yeah. school insult from like Probably when we yeah. were kids in the playground in the 80s and 70s, you yeah. used to call people weaklings, didn't you? Yeah, a weakling would be somebody like, uh, in, a, in in the Beano, weakling so, would yeah, be used softy quite Yeah, was a weakling, wasn't he? Yeah. Could, he couldn't quite yeah. lift the flower. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so then Turpin... Kids, kids are really into strength, aren't they? Like, in a way yeah. that when you get older, you're not that bothered about strength. I mean, even if you're worried about, about being strength. tough, you don't think it's to do with physical strength, do you? You think it's to do with mm. other things. But um, when you're that a kid... still bothered about strength. Is, is Len I, I don't know. I'm going to ask him about it. Someone accused him of being weak the other day, which All he right. is not. I mean, I don't want to get competitive, but I t- he is not fucking weak. Anyway, <laughs> but he did say that was bandied about as, a, um, as an insult, but... The thing is, it's that I remember at school when people didn't used to say at primary school, he's hard, right? That's mm. when you got secondary school, people said he's hard. At primary school, they used to go, he's strong. And they mm. go, you wouldn't say who's the hardest kid in the year. You'd go, who's the strongest kid in the year? Because you thought it was yeah. the same thing. You thought, well, if he's strong, then he could easily just pick me up and throw me. Or he could yeah. grab me by the arm and crush my bones or something like that. So you think when you're young, it's just all strength-based. All combat was, is is a, is a contest of strength. It was probably because we had World's Strongest Man was yeah. a big feature on TV. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of relegated to Channel Five a bit. It's I not, tell you what, though, they never make. Now. I still watch World's Strongest Man. It's, oh yeah. It's actually like my wife's favourite program. Like it's great. Highlight and, of Christmas. And uh, and it's really good. But I've always thought that they should make them fight as one of the rounds. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that was the thing. In we the had... da- we're now on to the fighting round. <laughs> we 
we had World's Strongest Man and we had wrestling every Saturday afternoon on ITV. Yeah, Daddy so there was a lot of big lads who were famous. Yeah. And they did look so, similar. Uh, the wrestlers looked quite similar to the World's Strongest Men, didn't they? Yeah. So uh, Spiker describes him as a weakling in a powdered coxcomb. Turpin then reveals himself to Willoughby and Willoughby admits who he is and that he's a robber and he says that he's got gambling debts of £3,000 which is why he's here to try and rob people and he says uh, do you think I like the country do you think I relish its coarse smells and rude noises I can't walk I can't walk five yards without treading in something I long for London yeah it's a great way of describing the countryside isn't it it's coarse smells and rude noises rude noises yeah although nowadays that's um, just as true of London to be honest I mean it's hard to walk around London without read it's having rude uh, coarse what is it coarse smells and rude yeah everywhere yeah yeah. just a different sort Uh, and Willoughby proposes a raid on Rookham Hall the strong room Mm, the Um, strong room you got a strong room in your new house Andy I haven't got a strong room yet. You better get one installed, oh, mate. I can get. I, I, there's a few places that I get one put in. I think for all your treasures. Um, yeah. Um, Dick's surprised by this. He says, "You'd rob your own uncle." Uh, Willoughby says, "Why not? The nasty old bladder robs everyone else." <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, back at Rookham Hall, Willoughby's there with Sir John. Um, Sir John's off for an early night because the hunt meets at seven a.m. He's off hunting the next morning and he asks Willoughby if he's going to come along and uh, Willoughby says, chase, what, chase a poor bright-eyed fox just to cut its tail off? <laughs> to, which, to which Glutton is enraged. He shouts, brush, you ignoramus, brush! <laughs> Not a tail! <laughs> oh, it's such great it's social satire, isn't it, this? Oh, it's fantastic. And then, then Glutton says, take me to bed, Spiker. Send me milk up. Yeah, send me milk up. <laughs> it's quite funny because he's posh, but he has, he, he's sort of, because he's from the country, he still has a sort of, a, they go me instead of my all the time, don't yeah. they? Send me yeah. milk up. I love send it. Send me that milk they, up. They've got this sort of quite strange, sort of ambiguous relationship that I think there's almost like a sort of a homoerotic vibe to at times. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit master and servant, but in a sexual way. Because the fact that he's like his hired muscle, but he, his job is also to bring him milk in bed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then, as Sir John is hobbling off to bed, he says, damn this gout. He's really suffering with it. But that's his lifestyle. That's what happens. He'd be disappointed um, if he didn't have gout the way he lives. I yeah, mean, his surname's yeah. fucking Glutton, for fuck's sake. Of course. Comes with the territory. Uh, then we have, we see Willoughby, who goes off towards the stables, because Spike, Spike is suspicious of Willoughby. Mm. So Spike is following him. Um, so Willoughby is kind of try, trying to create a distraction. Dick uh, then... Uh, bashes the servant who's carrying Glutton's milk mm. and adopts his guise, puts the clothes of the servant on so he delivers gout, um, gout, Glutton's milk to him, which he uh, he spills all over him, which is great because Glutton goes absolutely fucking nuts when the milk gets spilt on him. Yeah, yeah. He He's goes, up out of bed, he goes shouting, mad screaming. at him, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, get me a new nightgown or something like you that. You rogue. 
I'll have you strung up. I'll have you whipped. Yeah. I mean, it's like, fuck it, hell, mate. I only spilt milk. You don't need a bit of milk. Might have been hot milk, though. I mean, I'd be annoyed. Don't get me wrong. Like, sometimes mm. my kids bring me things and spill them. Mm. And I get a bit... I can get grumpy. It's not nice, is it? Oh, fucking hell, what well, you spilt that on me for? Spilt hot tea on you or something. Len spilt his cereal on the floor this morning. And I'm oh, like, yeah, you're a bit grumpy, but you wouldn't make threats like, I'll have you strung up or whipped no, over it. You just that. go, you get, I mean, to be honest, the worst I say is, get a cloth. Yeah. yeah. Get a cloth. Not that one. Get a fresh cloth Quick. from under the sink. Quick before it sinks into the carpet. <laughs> So, uh, Dick has has been told by Willoughby that the key for the strong room is under Glutton's pillow. I should have mentioned that's why he's gone into his bedroom. Oh, yeah. And he, he nicks the key from under the pillow uh, and then also locks Glutton in <laughs> once he escapes. So farcical, um, this. Every week fantastic. they do this farcical shit to Glutton and yeah, Spiker. Uh, Glutton and Spiker just always become really angry and can never seem to cope with it. I mean, we keep saying as well, it's the joy of it, the joy that it's only 23 minutes long. Yeah. Brevity. It's just yeah. all crammed in. It's you know, incredible. like now, now you'll watch um, a game show on TV and it's an hour long. They're all an hour long. Yeah. And they used to be 30 minutes. Yeah. And I, I know there's, you know, they have lower budgets so they need to make the money they've got last longer. So they make them longer. But fuck off. I don't want to watch an hour of a fucking game show. It's bullshit. It really is. You know, this is 23 minutes and it's all crammed in there. So Willoughby's in the stable. Um, Spiker's following him. Vizard's following him as well. Everyone's there. Glutton then realises what's happened and that the key's gone. He looks under his pillow. The key's not there, uh, which enrages him even further. Um, Swiftnick has picked the lock of the chest in the strong room and it's a big old chest as well. Yeah. It's a mighty, it's like a pirate's chest. It's a proper treasure chest. Yeah. And just as he do, as he's doing that, we hear a shotgun because it's glutton blasting the lock of his bedroom so that he can get out. <laughs> I'll fucking shoot it. <laughs> it's all kicking off. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Uh, the chest is opened it is full of coins and treasure and they do that thing where they lift the coins up and let them just fall through their fingertips and fall back into the treasure chest we're rich we're rich and all that Uh, Uh, Glutton is now hurtling down the stairs as fast as he can go with his um, his gouty foot Uh, and he's shouting Spiker Willoughby and he shouts, Is everyone dead? <laughs> um, Willoughby comes into the strong room and alerts them, and they make their escape, but they get uh, they get waylaid, and um, Spiker uh, shouts, Turpin! And um, Spiker's got a gun. This could be bad. Uh, but Sir John Glutton says, "Mind me paintings." <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's thinking about. <laughs> and he he knocks Spiker, and Spiker ends up shooting the floor. Um, Willoughby's there, uh, tries to get in the way, and Spiker says, "Out of the way, you painted maypole, or I'll run you through." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So then we have the inevitable sword fight, and Willoughby is a fucking brilliant swordsman he's fucking brilliant and this is one of the things again 
been saying like how it's social satire and I love it the fact that this bloke like clearly Spiker is this sort of terrible small minded bigot right yeah and um, Willoughby um, is he hates Willoughby because Willoughby has the courage to be different and yeah. so he therefore equates that in a, in a sort of small minded way with some sort of as a weakness and the way that yeah. the writers have decided that actually Willoughby turns out to be fucking awesome at sword fighting yeah thereby fucking exploding a load of like piss weak stereotypes completely right? and, and Spiker just basically effectively has his fucking head kicked in yeah in sword style I yeah. mean it's like a sword fight you'd normally see a lunge and a parry and all this kind yeah. of thing and it's very dramatic and it looks great yeah but with this Willoughby's just standing Willoughby there Willoughby toys he, with him doesn't he he intercepts every single yeah. lunge or whatever with it an is, amused smirk on his face yeah 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 and he starts commenting on it and goes yes yeah, a, a banal style and all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff doesn't it he says a, a little military otherwise not very imaginative <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's some of the staff are in the room as well there's like maids there and Glutton hides behind yeah. the maids of course he hides does hides behind the women reminds me of when does. my mate Eamon famously hid behind um, what's the name Sarah you know um, oh Kaywood Sarah Kaywood at, at the National Lottery do you remember <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah, of course. Do you remember? Like, I can't remember who they were, but a load of protesters invaded. Yeah. And he stepped. Sarah, Sarah Kaywood's about like four foot 11. And they even quickly jumped behind her. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say it because like he's a mate. TV. And he is brave because he grew up in the troubles. But I don't know. Instinct sometimes yeah. takes over and makes you do weird things. <laughs> so that's what Glutton does. Uh, Vizard then tries to. Um, to capture Dick um, Dick actually hasn't got a sword in this one uh, Vizard's coming at him with a sword but uh, Dick falls backwards over a chair and then shoves the chair into Vizard and then just gives him a good smacking basically um, so that's Vizard dealt with um, <laughs> Willoughby has uh, dealt with Spiker so Spiker and Vizard are both out of action um, and that's that's the end of it pretty I, I'll much I'll tell you what I like about Dick in this uh, in this episode is that like Willoughby turns out to be a, a like a proper kind of with the, in a sword fighting scene he's mm. like magnificent right like yeah. he's a, sort of got superpowers whereas and it made me think like Dick in the meantime is sort of just having a sort of a normal scrap with Vizard and he sort of he overcomes him in the end but it's just mm. like a, a sort of pretty straightforward square go right and yeah. it's like in the last episode when Dick tries to get involved in all that wrestling and sort of gets beaten up quite <laughs> badly by the big wrestler but he goes and what you realise is what's good about a character that again you wouldn't get now is that Dick Turpin is not particularly tough he's not particularly good at sword fighting he's, he's king, not he, he's not good at anything he's not extra specially good he's not shit but he's yeah. not extra specially good at any of the shit that he does what he is is he's extremely brave and yeah. he has quite admirable values and principles in terms of what's right and wrong but really it's just bravery and courage that's all he has over anyone else right yeah and a sort of freewheeling attitude to life whereas now he'd have to be a superhero this superhero thing that kids are into now in a way it's sort of like 
it's quite bad because it's like all these people are special but they're special mm. and the reason they can do what's right is because they've got extra special superpowers whereas Dick mm. Turpin said Dick Turpin sent a different message to kids it was like you don't have to be the biggest the toughest or the strongest you just have to do what's right and have the fucking balls about you to do it that, yeah. that Dick just throws himself into any situation with the attitude of let's see what happens here it's okay to be flawed yeah is the message isn't it yeah as long as you as long as you have a go courage and um so then they, they they hand out and they share out the bags of coins among each other and head away from Rookham Hall and just as they're leaving through the door um Willoughby says uh, don't judge a man by the curls on his wig you must open an egg to find the worth of its innards oh <laughs> very very flowery yeah. and Dick says then you must be the finest egg in the chicken's coop so uh big compliment there from Dick and yeah. then they just ride off and that's the end that's it and that's how it always before. ends that's yeah, it and we've talked about this off. before there's no dicking around so to speak he just goes right yeah. see ya the end ta yeah no fucking around no cryptic bits or sentimental yeah. bits or like yeah. addendums or anything like that not like in those Marvel movies where the credits roll but you have to stay to the end and they'll do a little callback to oh, something yeah. say, fuck that the end yeah. go and have your tea now Fucking mm. three, two, ones on next, yeah. Yeah. You got just enough time to to microwave your dinner, then you can watch three, two, one, and with any luck, you'll still be allowed to stay up for gentle touch later. We'll be back next <laughs> week, cunts. Ta-ra. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And that is easily the best episode we've looked at yet. Yeah, it's beautifully written. I mean, it's like we said before; it was like it was written by what's his name, Bruce. Uh, is it Bruce Robinson? Bruce Robinson Robinson yeah. who wrote With Nail and I and The Killing Fields although this is probably not so much as like The Killing Fields it also reminds me not so much me, of The Killing Fields there's a lot of kind of Lord Percy vibes from Blackadder 2 yeah, yeah. Tim McInerney in uh, that like legendary performance as Lord Percy uh, there's yeah. a lot of all of that going on but of course this predates both of those things so think come so there we are that's that one we'll be back with the next one in the series which will be episode 5 Seek it out on YouTube. Uh, We'll do that one next week. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.